record, but then turn that. I was totally joking. But sure. When I this is the midsummer episode. When I had a tooth emergency extracted, I had what's called a hot tooth. Oh, hot tooth! I know a hot tooth. Get your hot tooth here. (laughs) Which means it's on the nerve. Oh, so it's hot. So there's no like Novocaine won't do it. It's electrified. There are no. So you just have to Franco. You just have to grin and bear it. In 157 hours, Mm -hmm. my friend touch the nerve. Yep. I have a friend from college who is in the Czech Republic right now, perhaps in a midsummer situation of her own. Mm. She's coming back to America. So we can oh, she's turn up Daniel's microphone a half was, step. He's number can one. Can you believe that we had that problem last I know. episode? Number I'm, one. I'm never soft. I'm always hot. Just like a half. I'm a hot tooth. Uh, she's getting her wisdom teeth out, and while it is free, mm-hmm. they don't put people to sleep in the Czech Republic unless you have like really really primo healthcare so I'm sure she'll get a local anesthetic well that's what you get with socialism well when you're poor under socialism Mm -hmm. so Medicare Medicare for all a single payer public option what are we thinking guys should we get down to the bottom bottom of this thing I tend to go for the public option if I'm being perfectly honest oh my god that's brave got a centrist here got a centrist at the table not necessarily forever. We, you know, we uh, as sure. a as a transitionary step, and I'm perfectly happy uh, lobbying for just the public option for. Right well, now. it's a hot. There's no nuance in this issue yeah. because I also want to eliminate private health care, mm-hmm. but it is a sixth of the U.S. economy, and so you have to taper that down. Yeah, I'm not saying it needs to be incremental in Hillary Clinton way, mm-hmm. but you can't just get rid of it overnight because that puts a sixth yeah. of the country out of work. I. Get on. That's Medicare not necessarily true. I would too. You know, I would too. No, I mean the thinking is is that if there's the avail if the, there's an option available mm-hmm. to get onto Medicare for free, why would you not take it? And yeah. then eventually, private healthcare has to match that cost. Yeah. And then eventually, less or fewer and fewer people are signed up for private health insurance. And eventually, what's the point? Yep. Anyway, this has been the policy corner. Yes, thank this you. This has been the Klobuchar corner. Thank you. <laughs> The clove is coming. <laughs> the clove. The clove is coming. What's that joke mm. that she says that we thought was really funny when it came out? She's like, I'd trade, I'd trade all five of you for a water bottle. Uh, something like that. I oh, trade, yeah. I trade at least three of you for a water bottle right now. That's a good one. I quote it a lot. I think she's funny. She is funny. I think she's funny. <laughs> there's, I mean, Armando Iannucci really studied her. I understand. Is that for real? Uh huh. Well, there That's you go. fact. Well, there you go. That's who Selena Meyer is based on as a human being, supposedly. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Hot tooth. What they say. Hot tooth, hot goss. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Brandon, what time did you get up today, and what did you have for breakfast? Okay, oh. well, sorry, I'm trying to figure out how to, where to place my <laughs> beverage. Um, it is difficult. Sometimes. I woke up at five. Because of your cat. No, that's just when I wake up. Oh, wait. So you've been just blaming Shmi for your early wake ups? No, she wakes me up at three. Oh, <laughs> Are you gonna get that cat stoned? So I tried purchasing um, Herba. Herba. Uh, oh, oh! I have a brochure for this. Herb. I want to say Herbalife, but that's but Herbalife that's, is that's, the that's, that's, a, pyramid that's a pyramid scheme. scheme. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a scheme starring Mayor Herba Herba Pet. Herba Pet, perhaps. Sure. Sounds like a chia pet. Anyway. I made a purchase, hit trans, you know, thing, and then it said, call your car, call your bank, because this isn't going through. Because oh. they think it's like drugs. Uh, sure. Oh, sure. And Why then, didn't you just go in person to a dispensary and buy it? Because uh, this, 
I'm lazy. You didn't want to be around the weed heads. It was free shipping. Well, that's for sure. That's great. There you go. I I bought two books I did not need today because they were free shipping. Well, there you go. Uh, I love The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle. It's Mm. one of my top five favorite books. I love Murakami, but I read Norwegian Wood, or I started reading Norwegian Wood a few years ago, or like maybe two years ago, and I was so burned by it. I really hated it. Wow. And I, have you read it? No. Apparently people love it, but I just could not stand like the, the, the male narrator being like, I was in love with this girl and then she ran away and I, I still pine after her 40 mm. years later. I was like, this is canceled. Mm-hmm. But I've been reading Kafka on the Shore, which I really love. Mm. And has reminded me how much mm. I love this very specific Murakami editions that Vintage International put out in like mm. the late 90s, early aughts. And so I found a couple of his books for nice. very cheap on thriftbooks.com which can uh, Venmo as a 20% off coupon. Great. And so I just threw them threw, in the cart. Send us some store credit. Well, here's the thing. When, when, whenever you hit 500 points on that website, which is something like every dollar is 10 points, mm-hmm. I think is what it is. Mm. When you hit 500 points, you get a free book. Mm-hmm. And I have 499 yeah. points. Oh, my after, God. No, I'm close. close, but I can't. you can't apply the credit on... Like so, I'm gonna have to make another purchase right. before I can use my free book. Right. So I should have just done. Another. I should have just bought like the, the Communist Manifesto or like Common Sense by Thomas Paine, like something it's that true. I would get for a dollar fifty. Yeah, <sighs> a cheap copy of Death in Venice. I have that already. Oh, well, well, <laughs> but that, but that's very short. It is. The problem with Death in Venice editions is that they're always like Death in Venice and ten other short stories. Um, and so, I had. Well, I got rid of it. I think I had a cheap ass. Hell yeah! Like Dover Thrift. Mm. That was just fifty pages. Hell yeah! I also mm. because this Murakami thing has me nostalgic for this type of edition that I like. I've been thinking about how I want to buy back all of the Kurt Vonnegut books that I've lost over the past ten oh. years. But I want to get like so. I don't have a copy of Slaughterhouse Five, mm. Cat's Cradle, uh, and these are some of my favorite books of all time. So I want to get a very specific edition that's out of print, okay. and I found one on the website, but then right before I ordered it, it's a, like a, a pocket paperback. Mm. The one that is like six inches long, and I just won't. I won't do that. I, I don't have cargo pants. I can't stuff a paperback yeah. in there. It's Brandon, are you doing something? I'm trying to find it. It's ho- Holistapad. Oh, okay. I found it. The Sorry. I've just been trying to fill the dead air. I'm waiting for... I, I'm sorry. I'm very. We should not have hit start. Okay, well, it's okay. On. We're ready. we're it's ready. happening. I'm here. We're on. We are on the air. We've got oh, a God. got a hot mic for a hot tooth. Brandon. Holista pet. Thank How you. How much can they Venmo us? Four hundred and twenty dollars. They can call my bank. Nice. They can call my bank for me because I'm not getting on the horn with Bank of America to tell them I want weed for my cat. Go yeah. to the dispensary. Which one? You have to go to weedmaps.com, Brandon, which can oh, Venmo okay. us four hundred and twenty dollars. <laughs> nice. Well, Brandon didn't know about this. Hot I didn't tip. know about weed maps. <laughs> this hot tooth, hot tip. Now he's Jesus. got this hot tip. <laughs> hot tooth is gonna make me laugh all night. Guys, we haven't been on the mic since tip. we were all shooken by earthquakes. Oh, that's true. Since I had to be evacuated from the AMC Burbank. Yeah, 16. no, I, know. I, I would have to say that the, there, you know, there were three earthquakes in Los Angeles last weekend. The first one gave us a little shake. The okay. second, the ceiling fan was about to pop off, and then the third mm. was a viewing of the Iron Lady, uh, which was perhaps wow. the cruelest and most oh, intense earthquake of them all. True. Can you believe we gained Shook me to eleven my core. followers by doing that? Uh, we lost about five, but we gained eleven. We netted eleven. Net we gained. netted eleven. Oh. So we gained sixteen Great. or something like fifteen or something like but that. But we lost oh. as well. Well, but okay. if you here's the damn deal, folks. If you are not here for a 
loosey-goosey live tweet of the Iron Lady. With, well, then, with I don't be- know what we're paying with, you with for. Grainy, yeah. With grainy pictures of a screen. <laughs> On a holiday weekend. With tweets without context, just so, saying, what? <laughs> well, I don't know what you were following. I think, I, the first I, think I just tweeted the word, milk. <laughs> you yeah, sure but did. that's... Thank that's you. the opening scene. People should know what that's referring I to. I still can't, and I tweeted this uh, from the podcast account, but I cannot get over the fact that the movie starts with Southwest Asian music and a very confused Maggie Thatcher, the subtext being, where am I? This isn't my Great Britain. <laughs> like, the movie from the first, the first sound in the movie is xenophobic. Yep. Uh, I can't believe it. It's, it's what a film. It's stunning that it exists. All made entirely by women too. But like you that's, know, it's just like, what were they thinking? Well, I I mentioned what were they thinking? I mentioned this Who in knows? our group chat with fellow film fag Matter Spomber living rent free in our heads for one more mm-hmm. week. I'm not saying that this is true, but on some of I like to think that Meryl Streep was very subtly sabotaging the entire endeavor with this demented performance. Mm-hmm. To, let's let's go to, with that to narrative. expose what a nut job Maggie like a deluded mm-hmm. nut job Maggie Thatcher was. And so the movie has like this uncanny quality to it that is very much driven by her performance, mm-hmm. which, I mean, the narrative is also pretty fucked in terms of how it lionizes Thatcher and like makes, makes unions bad guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I like to think that, that Meryl Streep was Just like, like Spider-Man Meryl Homecoming. Streep was trying to expose it. Oh, Wait, talk Spider-Man about that. Homecoming makes unions bad guys. Mm-hmm. Wait, how, why? Oh, is it like, Michael well, Keaton is, no, it's a, a, oh, oh yeah. The, 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 the first Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh, with they're they're Michael fighting Keaton against villain. Tony Stark. I remember the workers right. are right. fighting against For Tony some, Stark. This right. this like goes to show how shallow any political subtext in any Marvel movie is, or goes mm-hmm. to show like how little my ideas stick because I'm not really thinking as hard as I think I am. But I remember feeling like the Michael Keaton villain in the Spider-Man movie was a Trump analog. But yeah. now I have no idea why because yeah, you're right. He's a worker. So mm-hmm. when it's fucked over by the man. Yep. When I first watched it i remember thinking Dude, oh was... he's he's trumpian mm. and then when i did my ranking i said Tr- the trumpian michael keaton villain but i haven't rewatched it so, so I, you just watched it is michael keaton trumpian or is he i didn't see trumpian i keaton saw county usa harlan keaton them. usa you i saw, saw him them. as a worker i saw them demonizing the working class yikes <laughs> well i mean that's probably right on. It's Marvel. Mm-hmm. It's Disney. It's Disney. It's I only watch Bob. it because Tom Holland gets naked a little bit, you know? He, he does, does get well, naked. a little bit, a lot of it. I mean, no, he's, not he's shirtless in when one you can, scene. He's not Max von Sydow in The Virgin Spring. No. You got that right. That's he's not, not Jack himself Rainer. With Birch branches on his uh, bare ass. The, Max von Sydow's got that great ass. Great ass with those brambles. So Andrew Garfield had the... Well, actually, I don't want to rank the... I'm not going to rank it like that, but I will say that... Tobey Maguire's glow up was so iconic in the first mm. Spider-Man yes. movie after he gets bit and then gets jacked. That was formative faggot. Tom Holland it just was. wiped it away though. Yeah. With one fell Because bite. Tom has better face. He's he gives better face. He's got a sweeter face. Tom's the best Spider-Man. Well, we just rewatched the I don't Ice know Storm. About that. Do you think it's Toby? I think it's Toby. I mean, I'm nodding. I think it's Toby. Acting wise, yeah. Acting wise, the acting is unparalleled in the original Spider-Man. Unparalleled compared to any other superhero movie. Unparalleled, Un- even the Dark Knight. Okay, the Dark. Well, I, and I, I hate don't... and I hate to be the guy over I here. Never... Like, but the Dark Knight is actually high cinema with complex stakes and vivid characterizations. Did you know? But it's, do you know it's Heat esque? 
The Dark Knight. The Dark. Did you know that The Dark Knight uh, was very heavily inspired by the motion picture Heat? I didn't know that. The Dark Knight would still be <laughs> my third best comic book movie. So you're going Spider-Man Two? No. Spider-Man no. One? No. Brandon and I had this conversation. I know the day. answer. I have the clues. Oh, Batman Returns. Uh-huh. Spider-Man Two. Uh-huh. And then the Dark Knight. Mine would be probably the same, but flip the top two. Sure. Mine would, so we're talking about superheroes, right? Mine would go Jean Dielman, number uh, one. Fuck yeah. Harlan County, USA, number two. Oh, yeah. And then Norma Ray. Spider-Man Far From Home, number three. Why the, why the heck not? Oh. Spider-Man Far From Heaven. Spider-Man I, Fart From Home. I haven't seen the film, and I shan't. They're playing Jake it at is work good. on Friday, so I might go. I'm, you should go. I'm annoyed that it's not the farewell, but... I got invited to a screening hmm. of the farewell. Bitches. When? I plan when? to go. It's a. Uh, uh, there's actually several screenings. Good for Friday, you. Saturday, or Sunday. Hmm. Hmm. Well, we're recording. Which is a what we're talking Saturday, about. So. Yeah. So I'll probably go on Friday. Did you see Lulu Wang signed on to do a sci-fi thriller next? Hell, hell yeah! I'm gonna fucking get lit on that. Mm. Do you think it'll be like Interstellar, which is a space farewell in a way? Oh. Ellen Barkin. Should we watch Probably. Interstellar? Should we just watch the last scene of Interstellar with Ellen Barkin as farewell homework? Ellen Burstyn. Yes. Ellen Barkin. Ellen Burstyn. Mm-hmm. Ellen Burstyn. Ellen Barkin is an iconic, though. I've, so. I've got her stuck in my head right now. Mm. Um, I kind of would prefer Ellen Barkin's version of it, where she's just <laughs> barking and just really, you know, like snippy and snappy. Mm-hmm. And that would be good. She's got a can glued onto her hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that movie. Which which one? Interstellar. Oh yes, it's a great movie except for the ending. I like the ending. I think I don't remember what it was. It's um, Good movie. Old Jessica Chastain is dying on a hospital gurney, played by Ellen Barkin. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, uh, Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet is no, he's long gone. He's just baby, he's baby Casey ditch. Affleck. Oh, but Matthew bye. McConaughey is like traveling between space bookshelves. He's like oh, in the walls. I remember the space bookshelves, uh, which I actually spake, think is quite the moving. space bookshelves are great. I it, cried. It, the space, the space oh, bookshelves good. are like the ultimate articulation of Christopher Nolan's. Imagination mm-hmm. and that it still has to be hyper logical. He's like, Where will all the mysteries of space and time mm. and universe be? Mm. Obviously, in a bookshelf. Mm. So let's make it a bookshelf. The Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> <laughs> Organized very on a human logic basis. Mm-hmm. The grand mysteries of the earth that mm-hmm. transcend basic Homo sapiens is still organized in the Dewey can Decimal System. Mm-hmm. I can. In Christopher Nolan's mind, I can. Are can you going you ring shopping? Believe? No, that's an ad. Are you on getting married? Roddraper.com. There's an ad for jewelry Are love. Are you getting hitched? No, but there's an American flag, like little diamond ring. Oh, cute. When Just there ain't no doubt that you July. love this land and love this man. Oh. Oh. The American nice. flag. Wow. Nice. How oh, great. How oh, great. Who's in charge? Daniel. Defunto Daniel. I don't want to be in charge. Today. Why? I like the movie. I just don't want to be in charge, but I will be in charge. I will rise to the occasion, but I never in my wildest dreams thought that I would be anchoring the Midsummer podcast, which for months has been a Brandon Kirby five-star uh, log mm, in the sorry. bag. Sorry. Five in the, he's got, Brandon Kirby's got five in the hole, and he's ready to <laughs> Ellen bark off about the film. So what a twist. What a surprise. Here we are. Let's that was keep... a twist. <laughs> Everyone was shook. I that put, was the fourth earthquake. earthquake. I remain. Uh-huh. I remain Brandon shook. didn't give Midsummer five. I, I remain pretty shook about it. Mm. Shook it. 
Well, yeah. I was tired. In Hargan. I was annoyed. I was like, why is this movie so long? (laughs) It's long, but I actually thought it breezed past. Peter Lou breezes faster than this thing. I disagree. (laughs) No, I think this movie moves really fast. I think this movie moves. I thought there was going to be, I thought we were at the two hour mark when it ended. No. And then when I realized like, oh, it's building up to this great letting go imagery, the grand catharsis. Oh, so this has to be the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. No, he lo- he completely loses the momentum leading up to the third act for me. Interesting. It like completely so goes stagnant for me for like a good 20 minutes. I'm like, what is happening? Hmm. Um, I guess we can get into that when we get into the meat of the film. But I... I kind of love the way this movie moves and I love its rhythms and it, the fact that it doesn't have the crescendo of Rosemary's baby and the way that you expect it to just get increasingly paranoid. Mm-hmm. There's a dramatic irony in this movie that as soon as they get to Harga, you're like, what are you doing there? Like clearly shit is not good. Yeah. Like it, it is, it's written all over the cage. walls and it's the same. Yeah. And it, yeah, exactly. And it's this, you can't go over into that hut over there. Like that's only for the sacred elders. And it's the same thing in Wicker Man, which I love in both of those films. Like it is, clear to the audience and to some of the cast, but mostly just the, it's dramatic irony, I guess that like my point is like Ari Aster is not trying to hide that things are going to go wrong. Like Mm -hmm. basically from the beginning. Yeah. And there's a very funny tension, I think. And these characters trying to not make sense of it, but sort of apologize for it to seem like woke. Yeah. I think it's funny. Mm. It is. Yeah. I do like that aspect of it. I don't know. I think it drags. Sorry. Sorry. I think it's the ultimate trip. I guess I, I like might have some jokes. I got it's got huh? some good jokes. What about that fun Austin Powers joke? Okay, so hmm. that doesn't bug me at all. Do people have a problem with that? Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I just think it's random. I don't mind randomness. But I mean, like the the joke is sort of that they, even though they're practicing these pagan rituals that are seemingly from another time, like they're still connected. They're still on mm-hmm. the grid. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I don't know I get and I have nothing wrong with making that I don't see anything this is a wrong or obvious. Movie, though. What's that? It's a twenty-year-old movie. True, but I so mean, like, like, but my point being, like, they have a DVD player. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and like that's the that's the movie they're they're sh- they've probably sh- been showing the kids yeah. for as long as it's been out and like just haven't that is kind of wild changed that it's it 20, out. It's twenty years old, but I feel like Austin Powers is still somewhat in the zeitgeist. Maybe it's zeitgeist time, is the timeless. wrong word, but it's like thick in the cultural bloodstream. It's timeless. It is. But like I don't have a problem mm. with that joke. You swap in any other cultural reference, it makes the same point. So no, yeah. I don't have a problem with it. I just yeah. think it's funny. Okay, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, should I? hoo-ha and begin this whole thing yeah all right well hoo-ha. welcome welcome back to to, re- to return listeners welcome back if you're new here it's good to see you hello welcome to another episode of movies imo we are your fave film fags we're here to delve into the topic of film my name is daniel crook i'm brandon kirby i'm ben mb today we're gonna grapple with some movies Every week it's a little bit different. We don't know where the conversation's gonna go. We don't know what we're gonna talk about. But today we're talking about movies. So we thought it would kind of really. Be, we thought it would be interesting to talk about it. The new film Midsummer. 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 And you know mm. maybe throw in a couple of you know pagan Christian uh, comedies, The Wicker Man and The Virgin Spring while mm. we were at it. Mm. But if it's okay Great. with everybody today, today we'll talk about film. Okay. If that's agreed upon. I want to talk about cats, but that's okay. Well, I would love to talk about cats. That's okay. Next week. No, no, please. Linda did yoga earlier today. <laughs> oh, oh, I hate that this is a, not a visual medium. Post Just it describe post that it. photo. Linda's laying on the yoga mat that I had pulled out to work out with this morning. 
But she's kind of lunging in a way that like looks like she was doing a pose yeah. and then gave up. Yep. She tipped over. Poor Linda. She gave it a little tip. Downward. Hot tip. You know what I cat. do like about Midsommar? What's that? Is right? that it's a chapters movie, but there's no chapter. You know, like that panel shows you everything mm. that's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, whoop. It's a medieval narrative panel, whatever they're yes. called. I forget. Yes. It's sort of like the I cover of was... the Slater Kennedy album, The Woods. Oh, when the curtains, when the curtains are rising over the woods, mm. rising away from the woods, rather. I just thought that was funny because it's like, I know how we talk shit. Of, I talk shit about chapter movies. It's a medieval puppet play, Brandon. Yeah. Anyway, so we're talking about I like midsummer movies. Hmm? You I like? like I like chapter movies. Oh, Hold on a second. I was, I was since when? Them. What I don't like is announcing at the beginning. You yes, don't like seven right. chapters that's, in an epilogue in a divided Berlin. Mm-hmm. That, that's okay. what I mean. I don't want to be. I don't want to be counting down. Which I do. I feel that. Don't tell me how many chapters there are when the yeah. movie starts. Mm-hmm. But I am fine to read a book. Correct. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Don't tell at the beginning. Midsummer sort of tells you at the beginning, like, but without numbers or anything. The musical, visual. A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder, which at the beginning lays out, I got seven family members to kill, and you're just waiting for the next one. Is that yeah. musical any good? Because no. to me, it seems really it's dumb so and really bad. bad and really boring. It's David Hyde Pierce, right? No. Kelsey it was, Grammer. It's Jefferson Mays. Oh, never very mind. talented. Wait, then who am I? What was Kelsey Grammer or David Hyde Pierce and what murder movie, what murder show was that? I don't know. I don't remember. Okay. Well, never mind. Well, but I don't like that either. I think it zaps the fun out of it. I think yeah. it's dramatic irony in a bad way. Yeah. Hmm. Midsummer is What's a, this movie about? It's a bit of a culture clash comedy. Nah. <coughs> it's a it's a fish's fish out of water. It's about eight pictures in one. If you're watching a picture that's got eight different pictures in it, you might be watching Midsummer. Hmm. Midsummer focuses on our protagonist, Danny. She's a grad student. She's played by the incandescent Florence Pugh. She's pretty good in this movie. She's so good in this movie. Where do we land on Lady Macbeth at this table? Ben doesn't I don't like it. Ben doesn't like it. I like it. I like it a lot. Do you like Florence Pugh in the movie? In that movie? In that movie. No. Doesn't so you were not converted when you came to the film. No. So you were so you were impressed more this time around. Yeah, but you're I wouldn't, beginning, you're I wouldn't beginning say I'm to converted. Get it. Now. You're beginning to maybe kind of get it. I think she does have charisma in this movie though. Oh, she's got charisma teats. Danny is a grad student. Uh, when the movie starts, she is in a panic because her uh, suicidal sister seems to have uh, jumped off a ledge of sorts. Uh, she stopped answering her text messages. She, and her last email was, "I'm goodbye, and I'm taking mom and dad with me." So they're definitely not going upstate. It seems like this is going to be the end. Was that really in the last email? Uh-huh. Yes. Oof. Oof. So as it turns out, her sister has killed herself and taken her parents with her, mm-hmm. and so she is all alone. Meanwhile, she is also stuck in a dead end relationship that was supposed to end that night. Um, awful boyfriend named Christian, played by the grumpy. Jack Rayner, and he and all his bros, um, bros have been thinking about heading off to Sweden, catching a, a summer festival, a a spiritual Coachella of sorts. Turns out that Swedish pagan rituals are happen to be the focus of one of their friends' uh, graduate theses. So the so boy with his grad school friends, Chidi, the racist cop from the film Detroit. Yes. And a Swede. And a yes. natural Swede. What is Chidi? Oh, Chidi from uh, the, the, good the Good Place. place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I thought, I thought you were just making up names. No. Name. We got Cheaty, we got Vapey, <laughs> we got Sweetie. No. Oh, that guy. Oh, he's. Oh, when he the vaping the is movie. very, very good in this movie. It's very. Funny. It's very funny. I think Will Poulter's very funny in the movie. But yes. I, the, the vaping bit really never got old for me. Maybe we can discuss the vaping a little bit as we go. Will Poulter's great. In this. So basically, a, 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 a live for the love of God, please reaction to the film that we're discussing. From Tell me now, fellow film fag Baltimore Andrew. I thought he was in it now. No, he, I he said, just he, got he out. He texted me a couple hours oh, okay. ago. He said, okay, that movie was shitty, TBH. I was along for the ride until the dinner with the flower crown. Then it all got 20 times worse. I think that the flower crown scene's the best part of the movie. I like Hereditary. I think the last 20 minutes are the strongest part of the movie. You like Hereditary? I, I said, as in Hereditary. Oh, right, 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 right. I right. feel the last 20 minutes are the best part of the movie. I, I mean, I'm along for the whole thing, but when I realize the direction that this movie is headed in, where it becomes this grand metaphor about having to not just end a relationship, but sever that entire part of your life. You'll never see those friends again. You'll never have anything to do with that group again. Like the only way to push forward is through this awful, harrowing, you know, tunnel of screams you got to leave them on the other and side. Burn it all down. I just think the final image of her smiling overlaid with the burning building. It's great. Is great, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. It's but, very, oh, but, oh, it's but. very cathartic. There's going to be some spoilers oh. in this episode. Oh, sorry. There's gonna, there might have already been a few. Anyway, so the boys. If you're listening to this episode, you've seen mid soul. Christian's about to break up with Danny, and he and the boys are about to go up to Sweden to eat a bunch of mushrooms, maybe bang some Swedish chicks. Hell yeah. Have a bros weekend. Hell yeah. And then when Danny, <laughs> you know, when Danny's family dies, Christian Christian is too, too uh, he, he gets a little chickened out, mm -hmm. breaking up. He thinks he needs to be there to support her, but he doesn't really support her. He doesn't know She's how. She's still left quite alone. And then she basically gets invited to go along. They didn't think she was going to come. They extended the invitation as a courtesy. She's like, fuck yeah, I'm in. So then they all go to Sweden they go to this pagan society up, you know, three hours up a gravel road away from Stockholm. They're not going to get to stuff in Stockholm, man. They're not going to get to bang out with those babes. Mm. Sucks. And then I'd be the summer <laughs> festival turns malevolent uh, mm. and also murdery. Uh, that it's about the passage of time, Brandon. It's about life and death and life's big mysteries, Brandon. <laughs> that Your eye just twitched. <laughs> Did it? Yes. Is there something in it? Um. Yeah, that first ceremony. Mm. That's yeah. good shit. So I ate some mushrooms before we sat down are... to record. Mm -hmm. So just a heads up. I think I are my are my are is are are we oh. all gonna start waving? Brandon, your colors, baby. You're just a bunch of wavy colors. I will say that where the things are pulsating and mm -hmm. everything's moving, I thought that was very her very cool. her mouth flowers on her yeah on her, her little crown. like her little like mm -hmm. flower I liked it pulsating and I thought it was funny <laughs> and a little disturbing but mostly funny and it made me like the way the trees sway it made me think of my wall the walls of my apartment during the earthquake. oh, oh. during the earthquake yeah sure I was sure. like is this mood so much absolutely absolutely um so I am just. I don't even want to talk about this movie because I don't want to, I already know how this is going to go. And it's like, I'm going to talk for a lot. I'm going to talk for much longer than I'd like to, because no one else likes it. So then I, I like justify the movie. what I like about it. I have. Critiques. And then I say, Oh, I'm talking too long. And then we get to talk about the homework. Should we just gonna, skip it? I'm going to do the LCJ book smart review. <laughs> 
You can't. You can't. You we were have... you were literally just more positive on it than I was about the dura- about the runtime. I think about this movie the, moves. The pacing. Yeah, I give it a two and a half, not a one. I know. <laughs> I'm just saying that's the thing. That's the only thing I'm really negative on this movie is, is how I, long it is. No, not how long it is, but because of how long it is, I don't think Ari Aster can m- m- maintain it, it to the end. It, could have it been sags. 99 minutes long, I think. It sags. I get why it's long. I get that it's a very long journey, this like sort of ebbing, flowing journey to get the, to this very cathartic end. But I think but you put your finger on it, though. I don't think it's that it ebbs and flows. I think that it, there's for a lot of this movie, like it is just sitting there. And yeah. you're waiting for something to fucking happen. Yeah. Which replicates things, the experience of being happen. in that relationship that is dead in the water, and yet you are still clinging on to it. And so I, I felt very woozy and seasick watching this movie in mm-hmm. the stillness, to continue mm-hmm. that metaphor. And then by the time the catharsis arrives, like, they actually, before the catharsis arrives, there's like another 25 minutes of them being split apart. Right. And there's the dancing of the around the Maypole, and mm-hmm. he's getting drugged and like so i you know it's it's not just like the last 15 20 minutes of the movie like i actually think the last 40 minutes do have some momentum to them but like i said i don't think that he's trying to do and i'm not saying this is necessarily what you're saying but i don't think he's trying to do like that grand rosemary's baby reveal of like keeping the secrets in and the tension comes from not knowing what's going to happen there's an inevitability to the movie that i find very satisfying it's very clear it's explicitly said like halfway through that she's going to join the cult and be fine well, the question is whether she's going to be fine or mm-hmm. if it's like, you know, jumping from one sinking ship onto another. Yeah. Which, if that's like the more bitter outlook on it, I just find the irony of it very funny. And so the the fact that the, that the happy ending is her ending up in this murderous cult who when you turn 90, you jump off a rock, you jump off a cliff and you go splatter on a rock. Mm-hmm. And if your head doesn't split open, the hammer guy comes up the and hammer. starts wallowing on your head. Bjorn had one job. Bjorn had one job. Bjorn when, missed the rock. When it's pretty clear, pretty clear. that Bjorn <laughs> didn't do it properly. Bjorn didn't even dive. He <laughs> went feet first. What was he thinking? Fucking Bjorn. <laughs> How many times did you I prefer I Peter love, and John. I love the close-up of the leg. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are so many grotesque close-ups of this movie where it just it just begs the audience to just be like, "Oh fuck!" Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I, the audience did. My, f- I, which is satisfying. I love it's so satisfying when the woman jumps and then <laughs> there's a reaction shot of her like bouncing yes. up from the rock. That's what they say happens if mm-hmm. you fall from that height. I don't. I didn't. I didn't read this in any midsummer coverage. I just mm-hmm. happened to know this from recent. You just happened to know. I just happened to know this. What but happens when you fall? Your from body really high bounces. Uh, your body bounces. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I believe it. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the gore in this movie. I think the gore is great. I think it's funny. I think it's very disturbing. Mm -hmm. I I saw someone online, like someone who's like an anti A24 person who was like, how, like it is so disgusting to peddle the notion that midsummer will keep you up at night. Give me a fucking break. Mm -hmm. If you, if you can't sleep after midsummer, like you've been fooled. I couldn't sleep after midsummer. Okay. I fell asleep and I woke up at like two in the morning and I just had all of those images running through my brain. The, the images and I are could, disturbing. And it took me like 90 minutes to fall asleep, which I, it doesn't happen to me. I don't wake up yeah. in the middle of the night. Hmm. So, you know, I, I to, to kindly push back against that notion, fuck you. 
Like oh. you, you can have an authentic reaction to something that isn't because A24 has a certain marketing push behind mm-hmm. it. I just don't, I, I, I would like Ben to make his funny point because I think it's funny. But like, I just, I truly don't understand the very specific vitriol being directed at Ari Aster. Having said that. Ari Aster is the music man. <laughs> Say it way why. I the, think that's so good. There's all of this. Fa- I'm doing like fanfare. I think Damien Chazelle is the music there's man. There's all this fanfare and show offness, and there's nothing inside. It's fraudulent. So, but I don't agree. I guess I, and I don't agree with either of his films, but I would think with Hereditary, that point holds a little more water because yeah. there is so much more whiz bang shit going on. There's an exorcism, and there's a seance, and there's Anne Dowd in a Home Depot parking lot. Like, all of these This things. is still ostentatious, even though it's quieter. But it's just people sitting at tables. Yeah, but they're behaving in a manner that no human being behaves. White people act like that. That's This movie has a lot on its mind, and one of my favorite things about it is what an indictment of whiteness it is. Yeah. Down to, like, the, the character who has been inbred and who clearly, like, has been genetically fucked up permanently. I don't know what the right term would be, mm-hmm. but they... You know, the the it's explained to the kid who's doing his graduate, uh, who's doing his masters on the project. They're like, yes, like the like the keeper of the realms, like the keeper of the books, like is always someone who is inbred in the family in order to keep it pure. Um, but it's not. It doesn't. I don't think Ari Aster is chasing some sort of like magical other as much as he's saying like, what a fucking pity it is that these people are so invested in enshrining their own ultimately destructive culture that they will completely ruin the life of one of their own in order mm-hmm. to feel like they are passing that torch. Like, it makes me think, like, William Faulkner, like, wrote a book, like, and I don't remember the name of the book, but some writer was writing about this a few years ago, I don't remember. Basically, like, this is, like, so fundamental to whiteness, like, the self-preservation aspect of it. And so I, especially when it comes to that character, I find that to be a very potent and damning critique of whiteness and also the way that whiteness seeks to propagate itself. Hmm. I mean, oh, this movie. This movie is so white. Like, for, so much yeah. of the humor comes less from the fact that they're crazy Swedish people as much as they're like crazy fucking white people. Who I don't know. That's how I read it anyway. No, yeah, and I think the way they, like Chidi and Jack Rayner, are using this culture, like they're analyzing it as like dumb Americans. I don't know. That's just the, well, the, let me, the yeah, American no, tourist angle let, as let well. Me, yeah, let me correct there. what I said. It's that type of European whiteness that gets celebrated by white nationalists and the right in this country as being like the most pure and beautiful form of civilization in midsummer while also, you know, drawing the mm-hmm. distinction that like their death rituals are no less barbaric than like sticking someone in a nursing home, which I don't necessarily think the movie is agreeing with, but like it is making a, that type of point. Mm-hmm. It is ultimately making a mockery of it and a horror show of it. And I find that to be really strong. Like, I think that's one of the strongest things about the movie. Is, it, is its critique of, like, the idea of European whiteness. But doesn't the movie then endorse it because the protagonist of the movie joins them? Only if you view it as because the protagonist did it, it is therefore good. But isn't it a happy ending for her? I think it's bittersweet. Because it's like, that's what I love about the ending, is you get I the... didn't. I didn't even have the thought that she stays with the cult. Uh, oh, well, she can't go anywhere. Why? She's going to get killed. Why? She's they kill literally sh- every character who tries to escape. She's the May Queen or whatever. She's the May Queen. She's like, in, she's like enshrined in the culture now. I had a delusion that they would just be like, all right, bye. 
I know. I, I think I, she's there for keeps forever. Mm-hmm. I think she's there for a while and then tries to get out and then is ring, 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 you know, murdered. murdered. What I love about the ending is the juxtaposition of her finally breaking the chains of not just the relationship. That's one thing about this movie. This movie is not just about like, you know, ditching your crummy boyfriend. Like it's not just about getting over like your boyfriend. Her entire family is murdered in the beginning of this movie. She has no purpose. She's a grad student, and what's more floundery than a grad student, with no offense to my many, many grad student friends, but like that's sort of an archetype in and of Hi. itself. No, but oh yeah, Brandon, you know what I mean. But like <laughs> that's sort of an archetype too. Like the people who stay in school mm-hmm. because they don't know how they don't know what to do. I'm not saying that that's what everyone hey, who goes to grad hey, school hey. is. I, you, oh. Hi. You know how many people I have in my life who I love who are in I'm grad school kidding. or going to You're grad going school. You're going for a very specific. Or getting reason. their doctorates. Like I've got friends who are getting their doctorates right now. Like I'm not I'm not saying that that's what everybody's doing, but she's kidding. She is very much in a floundery part of her life where yeah. she has no direction. And on yeah. top of that, her whole family just died. She's got this yeah. relationship that it's not just about like he doesn't appreciate me, he forgets my birthday. Like shit, why is she in there in the first place? What is she doing with this group of people? Yeah. Like she's clearly not meant to be with them. Like so that that aspect is built into it too. So there's this grand release from that which I think is, you know, really invigorating in a very disturbing and way. She's finally able to mourn outwardly without well, being judged by and by that, her her stupid boyfriend. And I think that who the co- doesn't know how to mourn the collective, at all. The collective expression of trauma, mourning, and grief, which I want to talk about the grief thing a little bit, because I think we're all a little tired of that. I it find is a movie about grief. The image of all of those women heaving mm-hmm. and screaming, like yeah. in the hut. It reminds me of Meryl Streep and Big Little Lies. Like the idea that, like, what should we just be bottling up our grief and not letting it out we're all upset let's go and she finally has a support system who's willing to experience it with her so yeah. i found that to be and not, beautiful and that is and it's not seen yeah. as shameful or but i mean the movie's pretty pro cl- uh cult i don't think so i think so no not at all so much of the horror is derived in the way that they cut up these bodies like when they, when Jack Rayner goes by the way Jack Rayner is drugged and essentially raped in the film yeah. the movie's not endorsing that when he goes into that barn and he finds one of the people from the group who has been completely split open and like spread out like skin hanging from the rafters that's and yet, my favorite and visual. yet the lungs I are still Hannibal. the youngs are the lungs are still pumping so the person is still alive in no universe is this movie saying these are good people no let me rephrase he's not pro cult but he's it's it's pro like how they treat grief that's it sure well, I don't did, think he has a proper point of view on it and that's why it, it's confusing for me personally. I think that the grief aspect of the because film. Because Ari Aster is the music man. Sure. Which I, I really, even though I disagree, I do think is like the funniest thing you've ever said. Um, it's it's a good point. He's not uh, endorsing actions of the cult, but the way that she's able to get her release from the cult. I do think that it's, even though, like I said, like it's not just the fact that it's a bad boyfriend. It's not just the fact that like her parents and her sister are dead and she feels guilty about it. Hmm. She's stuck professionally. She doesn't know what her life's going to look like. She lacks a purpose. But the grief is part of it. I also mm. think grief is a little bit of a red herring in this movie. Just in that, like, when you read Ari Aster, I'm like, it's like nobody, Daniel Crook. If you read Ari Aster's top 10 on Criterion.com, like, you'll f- clearly see that. But if you read his Criterion top 10 on Criterion.com, obviously this is someone who's really invested in the art form and must be paying attention to discourse. 
Grief, we've been sick of grief as the subject in movies for like two years now. Mm-hmm. Like Hereditary mm-hmm. was like the last time I think you can get, like around that time is the last time you can really get away with like the grief movie, the grief horror movie. Yeah. I think he's making a joke when he's like, this rune means grief. Oh no, that's definitely a joke. It's a joke. Yeah, exactly. So like the idea that like, I don't think he's trying to tackle the idea. I don't think he's trying to put out like the ultimate, um, He's not trying to put out like the ultimate grief movie. It doesn't really no, matter what No, this movie he's... has more on its mind than just grief. But it's the idea. It's one aspect of it's it. It's so much more about like finding a support system than it yeah. is grief. And that's yeah. what that collective heaving scene of them in the hut, why mm-hmm. I love it so much. Literally finding your tribe. Well, that's my that's my joke is that uh, there's one rune in this movie that I, I can't get stuck out of my head. And then I tweeted like one of those awful like find your tribe in cursive that you would like <laughs> hang up on your wall like painted on canvas. <laughs> Anyway, so this is going exactly like I said it would. So someone else say something you don't like about it if you well, you do whatever you want. I don't want to, I don't mean to direct. I already did. The camera's usually in the right place in this movie compared to Hereditary's <laughs> fucking nightmare. Um I just okay. So who are like the great austere genre filmmakers? Hanukkah? Kubrick, Hanukkah, Kubrick, Lanthimos. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know how to say this other than to say that even though they do a lot of long takes, wide shots, uh, sort of like less intrusive filmmaking, none of their movies to me feel like the camera is not an active participant. But when I watch Ari Aster's movies, I feel like the camera is an, is not an active participant in the story. I don't agree. And I feel like he... I feel like it is by accident that what is supposed to be in the frame is in the frame. Hmm. Like it's that bad for me when mm. I watch these movies. Mm. Mm. I'm just like, Do you have an example. Um, this one. Um, it's just always like the way that he uses like a dolly shot, com- like mic- uh, combined with a pan, and like what we're looking at is over here, and we're panning by it, and it's just very. It's incredibly cold to me in the way that Kubrick is never cold for doing a very similar move often. Mm-hmm. I hate it. I just hate it. Do you find <laughs> Hanukkah cold? No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Okay. All right. Is it because you feel like those characters have blood in their veins? Mm-hmm. And okay. I don't think anyone. Um... Well, I think this movie like is chilling under a pallor of depression on some level, like the characters in Hereditary are. Like clearly, these aren't healthy people. No. Not that like the characters in Hanukkah are well adjusted either. No. I don't know. I don't really have that problem. I feel like it's more sociological than anything else. Like in terms of like a blank, like a like a zoomed out blanket study of uh, humanity. Even though, like I said, I don't think he's trying to like get down to the nitty gritty of what grief is. But there's something very nihilistic about it that I kind of find funny. Um, I also just the way that and, and like how the sorry. Let me just say like the way the movie opens like like it's a fucking puppet show mm-hmm. like with the proscenium like opening up. Yeah, I think there is an element of like what Hitchcock got dinged for, or no, what Hitchcock like would say himself about treating his actors like cattle. Mm-hmm. I think there's an element of that in this movie with most of the characters except for Danny. Like Danny has has blood in her veins. Danny is experiencing shit, but the rest of them are completely turned off. And I think that's also a critique of the characters in and of themselves. Yeah, I just think that he is. He is striving for nuance and isn't getting it. Hmm. And I don't, even with Danny, I I think any depth that there is in that character is all thanks to Florence Pugh. And I don't think 
it's enough because the writing isn't there for me. It's all, everything is so surface level in these movies. I do There's think. There's nothing there beyond what is there. I do, because I don't think this is a perfect movie. I do think that Ari Aster needs to start directing somebody else's material. He can co-write it. That's fine. But I I would like a little bit more meat on the bones. I think he has regard. good ideas. I I think he should produce. I think he has good ideas that someone else should write and someone else should direct. Like, that is how I feel. Well, that's not going to happen. Yeah. That's not going to happen. I know. So in, t- in the realm of possibilities, I'm saying, let's just get another well, writer then, in Well, then, I mean, I just won't see another one of his movies. <laughs> well, we don't have I've to. I've seen two. We don't, we don't have to talk about any more of the movies on the podcast. Uh, the I question is. Idea. What? I have just, I have... Like I understand what the Ari Aster project is after two <laughs> movies, and I've I've got it. And you've had enough. And I've had enough. I mean, this this to me felt very much like okay, I made Hereditary. I'm gonna make my more sprawling mm-hmm. inverse of oh, inverse. Just inter- I don't know. I think, uh, Hereditary. I, know. I think Hereditary it, is a little more epic than this movie, even though there's a lot more wide shots in this one. Really, this one is so like singularly focused on one person's experience. Whereas Hereditary is about like a family in hell, and like painting painting the American family as like the ultimate like metastasizing object. Whereas in this, like, even just, like, Ben thinks Hereditary is funny. I still would like to find the humor in Hereditary. And now when I found this very funny, I'm positive that it's there. I just have to go back and look. But even, like, some of the levity in Midsummer shows to me that he's not taking himself as seriously as he was in Hereditary, which that seems to suggest. Yeah. I do, I, I mean, I am fascinated by what Ari Aster is doing, and I like what he's doing. Has he said what his next thing is? I don't know. I would like him to, I mean... I was going to say it'd be cool if he did something other than horror, but there's also the angle of like, like A24, obviously like very smart people when it comes to marketing a movie and getting you to pay attention to artists. Like Ari Aster became like the new horror, the new like horror American horror guru simply because A24 picked it up and started marketing the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I completely, that I, I understand that frustration, right? But I have to wonder if like these movies, if they went to a different distributor and they weren't being celebrated as these great American movies, but instead were being sold as really fucking great horror films that have a lot of ideas going on, sort of like The People Under the Stairs, which is a very different kind of movie. But like, if like there's no Orion anymore, but if like an Orion of the 80s was pushing that rather than A24, which ever since Moonlight like has this, it's a different level of prestige. It's not just like good art, like amazing art house fair and adventurous programming, but like these are the movies that are going to define the year. And I think that they put something on these movies that, and I include myself in this category, that makes us watch them differently and, and judge them differently. And our expectations are different. And so I feel like I've talked, with, not about him, but I think I've talked about this before on the podcast. But I just wonder, and maybe there would be no difference, but I wonder if these movies are being marketed more just as straight up dirty horror rather than elevated horror, if the reaction would be the same. I'm not saying that Ben wouldn't have the same problems with the camera work. I'm not saying that you wouldn't have the same problems with the pace. Um, I just, and I'm not saying that we're being unfair to him because I think they are really good movies and should be spoken about seriously. But I just think, I think we sort of reached a point where anything that A24 releases has this burden on it that is hard to shake off. That's, that's more a conversation about marketing than it is. Like I said, the film remains the film. 
I just but wondered. Like, I wonder if that changes the conversation. A little I never bit. saw the trailer for this movie or any advertising about it. But you knew about it. Yeah, I knew what it the, was. You said, "Come on!" You saw like memes and stuff on Twitter. I mean, the general. Yeah, but that's not. That's a marketing tool of a twenty-four. Okay. I often wonder. You remember when Bird Box came out mm-hmm. and there was? We found out that Netflix was ginning up. Yeah. I do wonder if there's a level of that with a twenty-four. Perhaps. Like they made that pin of Florence Pugh screaming to match Tony Collette screaming mm. and started selling them on their website. Like a twenty-four. I didn't know that. For whatever reason, so, this is all I'm interested in these days, is like how A24 is like pre-memeing their movies and pre-sculpting a reaction to it, which is genius on one level, but on another level, I feel like we're not actually able to experience the films uh, in, in a more objective manner. And again, I'm not just saying you two. I'm not saying everybody else. I am absolutely included in this category myself. Um, I, I wonder if their taste has become a liability. Um, having said that, I would love to work there. So if anyone is... Right. <laughs> If anyone's listening to this, but that's kind of a joke. But um, I don't know. I just find myself thinking about that. And with Ari Aster, especially, I find myself thinking about it because I wonder if we're not even, if the three of us are not even looking at him from the right angle. Hmm. I mean, I'm trying to wrap my brain around. So you're. Like, what if you're, he's just a horror filmmaker? You know? And, and it's not from this A24. But, but the general populace was clamoring for this movie. I mean, I saw the Friday night AMC Century City and like average everyday. Moviegoers, not, 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 not just like, like, I, I didn't see it at the Landmark. Right. I saw it at an AMC Century City. Every type of person imaginable walked into that. And, and they loved it. Yeah. I Applauded. Th- which is. So, so I don't think, you know, I don't think it's being marketed different. I don't think it's being marketed as an elevated. I think A24 is able to tap into the general populace, but in a different smarter angle i think that a24 is 100 percent trying to sell ari aster as elevated in the same way that they were trying to sell robert eggers as elevated by the way i also i love the witch i think that's like i mean i think it's amazing i think it's both sure i think it's but, i think it's, he's is, elevated but he's also like this movie's this for why, everyone maybe i use the wrong word when i say liability because i actually really admire the way they're able to get asses in seats for a weird movie like this um like i don't think another distributor could have gotten that level of hype to the, to hype, the general no, the public. Hi- the hype is what I'm saying. It's like A24's whole game is to hype a movie up to astronomical proportions. If it was marketed as a regular horror movie, the butts wouldn't have been in the seats. I don't think. Well, I th- Not as much. I don't know. But I want to know how much this movie cost, and I want to know how much money they had to make back. I don't know. But in my, and I do think that it's on some level genius. I think A24 is killing it and probably doing some of the most creative marketing and I do think they have some of the best taste of anyone in the game. But when it comes to someone like Ari, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's not about whether or not people are going to go out and see it. I'm saying that like a part of the critical reaction seems to be everyone who saw it at the first screenings was over the moon, thought it was like perfect, basically. Mm-hmm. So that builds up the hype even more. I guess this is true about any movie, but there's just something about, because we, the three of us, are all on the internet, and A24 is also very much on the internet, and wheels and deals in that same common tongue of, like, memeing and that yeah. type of irony and everything. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know. I'm thinking about what, what fellow film fag Jeffrey said about, like, he is making horror movies, you know? To mm-hmm. look at it as if these are prestige movies yeah. and to nitpick that way is to kind of miss the point. Yeah. And so I just find myself thinking about that a lot lately. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Dark, interesting. layered, rich. Shall we move on to homework? That's fine. 
<laughs> well, we did I'll, just talk about marketing for Other thing minutes. I'll say, I don't think it has a happy ending because I think Ari Aster thinks that everything is a prison <laughs> in the way that like mm. he does those overhead shots, like moving from the apartment to the airplane like stall. Like everything is so cramped. And even though we're out in the middle of the fields, I think that he is like saying that even though there is an absence of walls, like it is still the exact same principle. So it's humans that are doing it, not walls. Sure. Not walls. I'm going to pee. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to look on my phone. I'm going to see if Lion King reviews are in. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. In the woods there grew a tree, and a fine, fine tree was he. And on that tree there was a limb, and on that limb there was a branch, and on that branch there was a nest, and in that nest there was an egg, and in that egg there was a bird, and from that bird a feather came, and all that... Let's... Shall we talk about the wicker man? Let's talk about the wicker man. What are you pouring? A beer? Is that vermouth? Uh-huh. Okay. Are you having a martini? Bitch. Bitch. My eyes are falling. Is it, wait, what kind of sparkling water is that? A twist! With a pineapple twist. Oh, Ben. I didn't listen to the songs good enough. Corn. And then, wait, hold on. Corn. No, I got, I got. And in that there was a seed, and in that seed there was a man, and in that man there was a woman, and in that woman they had sex, and in that pole there was another pole that was gay. Wow. The Wicker Man. And in that I like The Wicker Man. I feel like I watched it too long ago to talk about it. Cornibs. What's that song? Which one are you singing? The it's, pregnant one? No, no, it's the one that's billed in the credits. It's like Corn Rigs by oh. John, <laughs> by John Denver. Uh, I missed that. Corn Rigs. I Wicker Man is great. I was so annoyed by the music in it. Like oh, I, 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 I was, li- I, was so I was living for it. I was living for it. I was living for it. But I was also like a musical. I love it. I know, and I just. And I like a musical. I just didn't know that's what it was going to be. Mm. And so it just took me a second. Loved it. My internet was also cutting out every 30 seconds. Mm. And I did like a speed test. Turns out I'm getting ripped off by Spectrum. But uh, And in that cow, there was a man. And in that bear, there was a man. This is from The Wicker Man, everybody. Uh, It's so good. fucking slaps are they like exploiting like fear of free love in some way i think so yeah 
because they're a bunch of cultists. I mean, this is so like strawberry blonde California singer songwriter. But Scotland. In Scotland. We're in the Highlands. Anyway. Uh, we're in the Highlands. Oh. Islands. And Islands. in that wicker, there was a man. And in that man, there, there was, was a flame. And in that man, <laughs> there was a pig. And also in oh. that man, there was a cow. And there was also a man. And he loves Jesus. Uh, now, the wicker man is pageantry. Wicker man's great. Wait, what do you mean? As opposed to the pageantry in Midsummer. Expound upon that, please. Just, what? Just that the parade <laughs> is real pageantry. Oh, yeah. It's they so are. good. Or whatever the festival is. I love the mask. When Christopher Lee, when our protagonist is dressed in the fool costume uh-huh. and they're just marching down the street yeah. and he's really not putting his back into it, he's like, dance, fool! <laughs> dance! You're the fool! Uh, <laughs> I told you I would be the fool! Uh, put your back into it, fool! Oh, you saved me. By the way, that's Jack Rainer in Midsummer. I told you I would eat you. I also like The Wicker Man more than... Oops. Uh, Ooh. Phew. Uh, Midsummer because... Oh, I, really, I really cranked someone on accident. Uh-oh. What number is Loves it? Let's get cranked. Three. That's you. Oh, you cranked yourself. I'm cranked. Burian um, is cranking himself. I think Ew. the... I just... I find a more believable cult to be more believable. Like the Wicker Man, like the humans behave more like humans, and that's easier for me to buy into, and it's scarier for me. The banality of it, yeah, that they're how just, they're very nonchalant. Yes, they're well, very normal, and they're very like it's just very natural, and and they're not just like staidly walking through with their arms not moving, like the woman in Seinfeld. It's true. Although, I will say, and I'm about to agree with you, but I think it's really funny in Midsummer when they're sitting around the circle and then just all those girls are holding hands and dancing all around them as mm-hmm. if it's completely normal. And it's exposing how stupid, like that idyllic image mm-hmm. of like happy go lucky Swedish people dancing in the woods with the nymphs. Again, like criticizing the European whiteness. But this is also European whiteness mm-hmm. in, it, in The Wicker Man. And. Watching this, I was reminded how terrified I was of Hot Fuzz the first time I saw it. How I found Hot Fuzz to be the most unsettling movie when I was so good. Totally. When I saw when I was like sixteen or whatever, I was not. I had not. No, I had seen Shaun of the Dead, which also kind of scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Kid, I was like twelve or thirteen. But yeah, it's something about the the smiling neighbor, everything, Uh but not grinning from ear to ear in a maniacal way. Everybody's just living in normal houses. That, the Wicker Man reminds me of Rosemary's Baby in that respect. Yes. It's all very oh, normalized. Ab- absolutely Rosemary's Baby. Like the ending when he goes out of the cave and they're like, yeah. we told you we would eat you. Yes. They're like, wait a minute, what? What's going on? Wonderful. They're Satanists. Wonderful. Wait, I forget what the twist of Hot Fuzz is. The city is like... I don't remember this, it's, okay, the so town. It, in, so Hot, Hot Fuzz, Simon Pegg gets wheeled up to the north of England because someone, there is a murderer on the loose and mm. townspeople are dying. Mm. It turns out that there is a cult in this town in which everyone is a member led by Timothy Dalton, the grocer. That's oh. right. And there's not one killer, if I remember correctly. It's, it's that, the like, whole... A, a, the whole town. Are killers. Are killing, they're, they're killing mm. everybody who doesn't want mm. the town to be as picture perfect as they do. That's which right. Which is a damning uh, critique of... British whiteness mm-hmm. and self-preservation. But like mm-hmm. when Simon Pegg is running beneath the city through the catacombs, and there's just all these dead corpses, dead corpses. There's just corpses everywhere. 
I found it very disturbing. I must rewatch this film. Hot, hot Fuzz, Fuzz is, is so really good. good. I haven't seen it since it came out. I remember how the, I left the it. The Iron Lady is cut like Hot Fuzz. Uh, and like Hot Fuzz is like a toast pops out of a toaster. We whip pan and zoom in on the toast. <laughs> like it's making fun of that, and it's all it's also very pleasurable to watch. But it is making fun of that like hyperactive mm. kinetic style, I love that. Yeah. while also indulging in it, and therefore it managed to have its cake and eat it, eat it too. And then the Iron Lady, I want I tweeted from the account. And I, I'm okay that it didn't get any engagement because there was no context. But it's like the scene where she's like, I will not go mad. And she like looks up in the chandelier. We get an insert of the chandelier spinning. And then we get an overhead shot of her. And then she like turns around. And then the what? camera like glides through a mirror. And like, <laughs> it's just like every That's three art. seconds, like cut, cut, cinema. cut. Philida Lloyd is cinema. Philida Lloyd is the 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 the, the, the working man's Edgar Wright. Mm. Or no, Love not her. the working man because Maggie Thatcher hates the working man. True. The real cinephile's Edgar Wright is Philida Lloyd. Mm. The individualists. Hell yeah. <laughs> that those are the ones to save us. That's right. Hell yeah. Oh. I don't know what to say about the worker man. It's very good. It's just very good. I really am just I did I watched it a few days ago. It was before the earthquakes. Sure. So I, I mean I I I love again it, it's doing a similar thing to Midsummer or other Midsummer is doing a similar thing to the Wicker Man when you see those text literally textbook images of pagan rites mm-hmm. which on the page they're a little creepy but it's just medieval people dancing around in costumes yeah. killing pigs so that they'll have a good harvest it seems very benign it feels very it does not feel dangerous. Yeah. It feels totally innocuous on mm-hmm. the page, but then brought to life when you see that man jogging around in the horse suit and he's like clacking the teeth yeah. and diving down corridors. It's very unsettling. Mm-hmm. And again, I like the way that that imagery is warped in Midsummer by presenting it very matter of factly in both. I mean, mm-hmm. matter of factly in the Wicker Man, a little exaggerated in Midsummer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to watch the Nicolas Cage version. I'm oh. dying to watch the Nicolas Cage version after this. And then, if we were smarter boys, we would have just done both, both. Wicker Men uh. as our homework. <laughs> I we really quick like to sidebar about the Texas Chainsaw. Let's have massacre. a conversation about it. Let's Was talk. that your first time? Uh-huh. I've never seen it. Speaking I've of seen it never so seen good. it, but I have seen Midsummer when a man rips off uh, Will Poulter's skin and wears it like a bodysuit mm. and then oh, hits Chidi yes. in the head. That was unsettling. Um, so yes, go ahead. It's probably one of the twenty greatest American movies I've ever seen. Yes. Had you seen it before? No. Okay. Uh. It's stunning. It is, uh, as my my dear friend Lauren, who doesn't actually listen to this podcast, God bless her, said when we <laughs> saw Midsummer, uh, and I told her I had watched it the night before. That it's a brilliant exercise in generating empathy because you know nothing about these characters. Like literally, there's no backstory of any kind for anyone, and you feel for them anyway. Uh, and I didn't know. That there were more than one antagonist. I didn't know. That. Spoilers. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. I mean, it one is it's, right. It beginning. came out a long time. Um, and I didn't know that Leatherface runs. Oh yeah, baby. It was the most. It was just like in in. I wanted to say in like the midsummer thing. It's just the the bodily aspects of the Wicker Man and the Texas. Texas Chainsaw Massacre are so much more, like, frightening for me. Because they're franker? Yes. And they, they just feel so real. To watch this hulking man sprint and grab a young person and take them into his room to kill them. And 
and and slam the the slams the metal door and then hangs a living person on a hook to deal with Ooh, later. God, I've never seen anything. And like the it. and the ending also very yeah. cathartic. Yes, on the back of the truck and she's just screaming, face covered in blood. Uh, that and that's, or she's laughing. And it's, it's like literally it, it like goes from a scream to yeah. a laugh because she's just so relieved. And that a she lot got of that away. movie takes place in the daytime too. Yes, is that movie like a Nixon reaction movie? What is the politi- um, what is the political conversation around Texas Chainsaw Massacre? It's I mean it's just about like toxic masculinity in a way and it's about like it is also about white America. Mhm. Um Yeah, I don't know if it's about Nixon exactly. I mean, I don't look at that. It, but didn't yeah. it come out in this when like 74? So yeah. Yeah, so I no, it's maybe about the Vietnam War. I don't yeah. know. There's like very famous scholarship about mm-hmm. this movie, its political context. Yeah. But I don't know what it is. Also, it's just like very quote unquote woke that one of the main characters is in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's not remarked upon. It's mm-hmm. very cool. And that would never happen today. It's a I feel cool. Like. F- it's a cool film. If it if it happened today, it would be remarked upon. Yes, they'd call him Wheels within the film. Jesus. Yes, I saw it at um, I saw it for the first That's time. That's right. You saw it at the New Beverly, right? At, yeah, and that was an experience in a packed house. Packed house. So what's that like? It was. It's so. It's terrifying. It's so good. It was. It's one of my favorite chilling. movies. Hold on, because I and saw then, a little blurb. And about then it was it followed by. Um, it was followed by. Uh, uh, Toby Hooper's uh, or Toby is it Toby? I think it's Toby. I've never heard it. To- Toby Hooper's. Uh, God, what was the other one? The the you know how the second movie is always like mm-hmm. you know, it was I think because um, he directed the second one and then they took it off. Eaten Alive was the second movie in the double bill about a, oh. a guy with a scythe. Did you watch that too? Oh, certainly. Oh I always God. stay for the second in a new Beverly double, and he. And, and he has a pet alligator that eats everyone. So it's basically crawl. Oh, I like that. I like crawl. <laughs> Did you see crawl on Sunday? No, it's this oh, coming okay. Sunday. Got it. Got well, it, got it. it will be pat last Sunday. It will be yesterday when people are listening. I this. still just think crawl is the most genius movie for the it. moment. Sight unseen. I'm so excited. Oh, this, this little blurb on uh, my favorite website. They shoot pictures. Don't they? Thank you for turning me onto that website. It's the best. I check it more than once a day, every day for the past 13 or 14 years. Hell yeah. <laughs> okay. This is their blurb on the thousand greatest movies of all time. Four decades haven't blunted the cutting edge of Toby Hooper's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Not even the onslaught of sequels, the first of which also under Hooper's direction is actually kind of brilliant. Ripoffs and a couple of other pitiful stabs at a remake. Stabs could manage such a seemingly impossible task. The film has achieved the perfect storm necessary for enduring notoriety. It's a masterwork that flawlessly mirrors the time and place of its origin, while at the same time remaining one for the ages thanks to its uncanny power of nearly subliminal suggestion, avant-garde editing and sound design, and its uncompromising vision of an American consumerist society run amok. Consumerism, that's what it is. So Nixon. Yeah. Ah, it really was just so good. Just so good. I'm not sure I'll ever see it. I Why? hope that, I hope that I mean it sounds terrifying in a way that you can never shake off. Oh, you have. Yes, sure, let me in the best I'm, way. Let possible. me finish what I'm saying. I'm sure that I will see it, but I cannot. I cannot imagine myself sitting down to watch it. Yet yeah, it feels inevitable. Yeah, wait until the next time the new Beverly does it. If, yeah, I guess I will. That's again. the way to see it because you're just it'll you're probably just, happen in October. You're just forced to sit there and take it in. I would love to see it in 35. I think the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the last horror movie 
that I'm just simply too scared to watch. It was pretty devastating. Pretty much anything else. Like I was a bit of a scaredy cat when I was a kid. I wouldn't watch anything. Mm-hmm. I think it might be the only one that I that I still get goosebumps at the thought of watching. Yeah. I even like the 2003 remake. I haven't seen oh, any of them. Oh. You're canceled. It's good. It's. I wonder if Jeffrey McCran would back me up. We'll have <laughs> to ask not. him. Let's look up <laughs> the, the log. No, we'll do, we'll do the it The last I shot like the of this movie, one. which is just of Leatherface. He's like dancing in the yes. wind. Oh, yes. In the sunset. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot. Or it's the sunrise. That's the final shot. Yes. Not her. It's not her. It's, it's his it twirling. It goes back to him twirling. With the chainsaw. Sort of like mm. a woman under the influence. And then it's a yes. freeze frame. I don't know if it, I think it or just, it's it, like, I think it just, like, blows. I think it just like smashes into the credits on the music cue. Oh, that's what it is. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. My heart is racing. Anyway. Should we move on to Virgin So Spring? I prefer, I prefer that to Midsummer. is Great. what I'm saying. Well, I think that's maybe an unfair uh, metric, but sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> what? Do you have anything to say? You said, let's move on to the Virgin Spring. Let's move on. So we're waiting for you. Good movie, IMO. I don't uh, fucking know. You guys talk. It is a good movie. Virgin <laughs> Spring is a masterpiece. Mm. And it sort of ties together everything we've been talking about. Well, actually, we, have, we haven't been talking about whatsoever, but all the movies are tied together <laughs> by like... <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't been talking about anything that we're supposed to be talking about. This has been substance-free. We're talking about Toby Hooper. Marketing. And uh, teeth. Weekend at Bernie's directed Poltergeist while Steven Spielberg actually directed it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Toby. Well, all the movies are tied in the tension between paganism and Christianity. Mm -hmm. And the idea of where God fits in in all of it. It's not like that's what Midsummer is mostly about, but it is also playing with those themes a little bit. And I think what the Virgin Spring is saying is that uh, there is no God. Oh, God. That's the Wicker Man. Help oh, me. God. Oh, God. God. And then you see the <laughs> titular Wicker Man. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. Yes, that's exactly how I feel watching. I hope that in the Nicolas Cage remake of the Wicker Man, the Wicker Man himself is animated. Uh, like like his face moves. Wait. He smiles Nicolas and Cage doing that scene. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Not the bees. No. Not the bees. Oh, shit. I forgot the that this is the bees movie. Wait, so in the Nicolas Cage version, is it an island populated by, by bees? only by women? Oh, I know Ellen Burstein's in it. Oh, Ellen have... Barkin is in it. You're right. We have a lot of questions about the 2006 Wicker Man. Nice. I would like to see it. I don't know. It looks like from the cast that they're all women. Except for Officer Pete. Not the bees! <laughs> <laughs> Officer Pete. Ooh, the Wicker Man. The bees. I'm voting for Extended Officer Pete. Extended cut. Oh, I've seen, I've, seen the, I've seen the bee clip on YouTube many times. I don't think I've seen that. Ever. They shove his head in a cage full of bees and he just yells, oh, no, not the bees, the bees, not the bees. Should I just play the clip? <laughs> yeah, sure. It hurts my throat. They dump a bunch of bees in the, in the cage. Into the wicker cage. <laughs> Wait, is that... 
They don't put him in a big tower. They I, no, I, that's not the ending I of the movie. Pre, I think that's a pre. They torture him more. I guess. How far are we into this? We're episode? about seventy minutes in. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> but some of that we have to cut because you were gone and Brandon and I just sat here silently. Mm. So are we going to actually talk about the Virgin Spring, or should we just keep having a laugh? Either one's fine with me. I just have to know if I have to like, because I have plenty of things I can. If I you also, really want to grapple with, I don't with, have anything to say. I and I gave it five stars, so it's not because I don't like it. I just never have anything to say. <laughs> I'm glad we do this. <laughs> oh my god, I'm just burying my head in my hand. I mean, what I don't. Do I, I don't disagree. I mean, Max von Sydow was amazing. Very hot. Mm. His bear, bears. Do we see this? No. Yes, we do. Mm, but, mm, but I think The Virgin Spring is one of the best movies ever made, and is one of Berkman's best movies too. Hell yeah! I think it's a flawless piece of writing. Absolutely. I think Ari Aster should have Ingmar Bergman write his scripts and Federico Fellini direct his movies. He wishes Great. on the first that's point. That's how the way it should go. I will say, yes, I, that's I, how the way it should I'm go. I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to talk too much shit. But a prominent film critic talked about how Ari Aster in Midsummer manages to build this phantasmagoric fever dream of Bergmanian despair, and I'm just like, you. How do you have a job? Because like, what's Bergman it, ask about Midsummer? Heredi- I would love I to know. That one of the characters is named Ingmar. Ingmar. Yeah, Hereditary. As I talked about on the Hereditary episode, I think I do think that the, the Bergman influence shines in Hereditary and completely works. Sure. Just the abject human despair. Yeah. And the idea that we're circling this cosmic drain and where is God and all of it and the shadows. Like I get the influence so heavily in Hereditary. I don't really think he's trying to go for anything Bergman-esque in Midsummer, mm. apart from naming a character Ingmar, which like yeah. kind of made me tense up. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like. <laughs> kind of made me tense up. It upset me. I got or it didn't over upset it. Me, but I was just like, that's. I got it's over so it. So just. I got over why? it because those same masses that Brandon was exalting, I'm sure that right. didn't mean anything, right. right? And I'm not being like poo-poo, you're dumb. I mean, like not everyone's into Ingmar Bergman, right? Right. Um, so I just think that's a really silly thing to say about Midsummer. That's all. I agree. It's just like, I agree. Just because a filmmaker loves a certain filmmaker doesn't mean that they're always going to be referencing to reference or unless not you're reference. Brian. Unless you're Brian De Palma. I mean, True. did he list? I haven't looked at the movies that he says influence. Oh, like Cries Midsummer. and Whispers. I mean, and also just like the oh, I, he does put Bergman like Ber- no, not that I've doesn't seen. Doesn't he like referring? No, to he this does movie specific. No, 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 no. I'm saying on the again nobody. Daniel Crook, have you seen Ari Aster's Criterion But that's list? his picks, not what Did, inspired. No, 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 didn't no, he, oh, no, didn't he publish a list that movies that in, and it's not, influenced? And it's not on that list. And I actually yeah. think in that piece he said, like, I actually wasn't really trying to do Bergman in yeah. this movie. It's he Great. He explicitly references The Wicker Man. Oh, well, yeah, I guess. As he sh- I was actually like, as he I was like you don't say. Mm-hmm. But there's, like, there's a commonality in the way that Ari Aster approaches physical space as just, like, it is a manifestation of our insides in the worst possible way, and it gloms on all these awful emotional projections we put onto it until the space itself contains this deep despair or whatever the emotion might be. And in The Virgin Spring, you definitely get that with like the main hall, which by the end, you just expect black smoke to be billowing out the front door yeah. because of everything that's gone, gone down in there. I remember what I was going to say Please. about The Virgin Spring. Please. So I watched it on Saturday morning when Linda awakened me unceremoniously at 5.30 a.m. And I watched, you, Linda. I watched about half of it, and then my allergies were 
so bad. I was like, I'm going to go to Pavilions and get some Claritin and some cough drops and then I'll come back and finish it. She had Linda had unpaused the movie oh. while I was gone. Bergman oh stands. A yes. spring sprung from the um, and it was about it was, I think it was about ten minutes farther than I was, and the woman, the mother, was holding the daughter's clothes when I got back. Wait, how much did you miss? Well, I rewound it. No, no, no. But, but yeah. like, where? When did you pause? Like ten minutes before that. So she was. So dead. she was dead. Yeah. And I saw her take the clothes, and I, I think I even got to the point where the guys have gotten to their house. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought, oh my god, she's gonna find the clothes, and that's how this all comes together. But then it's even better that they try to sell her the clothes. It's so great. It's crazy. Well, and you bring up something that also is present in all three movies, which is a strong sense of dramatic irony. Uh Like we already know where the story is going. Uh As soon as they show up at the gates, which is a terrifying shot, Mm -hmm. like at sundown or at dusk, rather the sun has gone down. It's the three guys just standing at the gate. Uh Also, I was saying to Ben on Saturday, I thought you knew this because I thought this was just like, I thought like this is what the Virgin Spring was known for now apart outside of the Bergman canon. But last house on the left is based on the Virgin Spring. And when you when you see those three guys standing in the fence, there's like a clear home invasion element to mm. it, and it's very like I think this. Movie, I did not know. That. I think this movie is very upsetting, very I disturbing, that and very is. scary. Last House on the Left. Yeah, it's like a horror. R- it's a r- rape revenge. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never heard of that. It's what the movie's based off of. Uh, I think it was the 70s. But there's also in all three of the movies, I think there is a strong sense of humor to be found in all mm. of it. Um, Again, by sort of what the audience already knows and just you're waiting for the characters to sort of see that the shoe has dropped. But then also just like in the rituals of what everyone's doing. Like there's something very funny about a glass jar of foreskins in The Wicker Man that's creepy and also very funny. And obviously we've talked a little about about what I think we have. I don't remember what we said about Midsummer, But there's funny stuff in there too. Uh, Just clomping around in that pyramid of flowers. Yes. She looks ridiculous. But I, I find like the the ritual and ceremony and the Virgin Spring to be very funny mm-hmm. in the beginning when when the woman is just like, it. I think it's supposed to be funny in the scene because she is the 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 one who believes in the Norse gods, like mm-hmm. the pagan in the house full of Christians, right. and like her job is to dump a bucket of milk into a tray that mm-hmm. is surrounded by like boughs of holly right. and then take all the boughs of holly and throw them on the ground and then move the glass of, or the bowl of milk like onto the table. Yeah. And then later, like when the little boy like spits his soup up, the, the matriarch is like, you're going to want to put in salt and vinegar on both of his temples and then make him sleep with a rock. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I think it's very funny. It is funny. <clears throat> I, do you think there is an implication of incest in a way? Mm-hmm. Okay. 100%. I just don't know if I'm Between too, Max Monsado and the daughter. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. And, and like... Ber- yeah, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to read it that I way. know. Bergman <laughs> is so fucked up that yeah. like that's not an accident. Right. Like that. that's like that's like the mud that he bathed in. Right. Like in these Ben, when movies. you told me what it was about, I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. What? Max Monsado is going to be the one who... Oh, oh. No, that didn't happen. That's also yeah, because I knew what the movie's about, and I thought, "Oh God, that's oh yeah. God is right." No. Oh, oh, all these movies. God. Oh God, not the bees, not the bees. Um, uh, Virgin Spring. Basically, 
I find this movie unbearably tense because you know what's going to happen and the characters also know what's going to happen, which is true in in Hereditary, in Midsummer, and to some extent in The Wicker Man. You're just waiting for everything to erupt. And that is down to like in the very beginning of the, or 30 minutes into the film when when the young woman is like riding on the horse and passes those men and she's like, oh, hi. And mm-hmm. you're like, what are you doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How can you not know where this is going to go? Mm-hmm. Of course, this happens because his, her father has taught her this sort of, sort of preach this pious song and dance yeah. about how there is goodness in the earth because mm-hmm. we are Christians and because we are Christians, nothing evil will befell on us, upon us. You are invincible. You are yeah. beautiful. You are a virgin. You are a saint. Yeah. And because of that, she has no idea how to act in the world and so at the end of the film, when the spring like comes out from where her body uh, is, I literally gasped. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. But my inter- I don't know if this is sh- widely shared, but my whole interpretation of the spring is that they misread the miracle. Hmm. Like that it's not like she is not like saved by God in that moment. <laughs> it, they're, they're, I, I don't know if there is a God in the movie, but it is not the Christian God nor is it the Norse gods. There might be some other sort of force. It's probably like a natural force, but it is meaningful. It is a miracle Mm -hmm. that the spring comes up over where her dead body was, right? But then when they all start like lapping it up onto their faces, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Like there was a corpse where like that water (laughs) that you are splashing into your nostrils and your mouth, like that is contaminated. But because they're so sure that it's like this sign that like they did the right thing. It's like the I find the movie like tragically comic at the end when mm. he's like I'm gonna build a church here and that's how I'm gonna solve all the problems. It's also like if the spring comes out there, then you can't build a church there. Yeah. So it's sort of rebutting his point. Like that's the other idea of what this might be. Like it, it is whatever that force is saying. Like no, don't build a church here. Just take care of the rest of the people in your family and make mm-hmm. sure this doesn't happen to any of them. Yeah. But to him, like he thinks the lesson is build a church here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is. I think pretty damning too. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. Like you can't build it there now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's water, there's water there now. Um, but they're still like, hallelujah. Like Hallelu. it is meant to be. Hallelujah. Like everybody does. Everybody misreads the signs in this movie and everybody does the yeah. wrong thing and their holiness will not save them. And it's not an, it's not an anti-Christian movie, but it yeah. is anti cloaking yourself in religion uh, to the point of thinking that that can wall you it's off from the evils of the and world. Not anti-spirituality. Yes, right. exactly, exactly. That's, that's what it is. Yes, I agree. And that's why transcendental cinema is good because I gasped at the end. It's so, <gasps> the Virgin Spring is so good. It's a good movie. Didn't that win the Academy Award? Probably it did. best foreign film. Probably yes. Hell yeah. But yeah, Max von Sydow was incredible. And that was this is the movie like really like Smells of the Summer Night put him on the stage but this like put Bergman on the stage well it's like imagine like if and I there are gonna be a lot of people rolling their eyes at this but we're talking about Ari Aster so he's just gonna be my example let's say that like the second movie was Hereditary Mm -hmm. and he made like sort of a Romare-esque like Midsummer Night's Dream comedy Mm -hmm. before that where it's farcical and people are running in out of doors and banging into each other and everybody wants to fuck and it's lovely and also sort of a critique of society like a society and then Hereditary comes next. Like, right. that's sort of what Smells of a Summer Night next to Virgin Spring is yeah. in some way. Like, Virgin yeah. Spring is a very different film than Smells of a Summer Night. Both get into, like, how porous piety is and how it's ultimately a masquerade and, and, and is not actually uh, speaking to your own worth as a person or, or how good you are based on how religious you are. Like, that's all there, too. Like, there's a lot of jokes about prudes and stuff like yeah. that in Smells of a Summer Night. Like, if everybody would just get laid... 
then we'll have a good time. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen Smiles of Summer Night, but I could. It's very good. I could do a little night music right for you, which is based. It's on what it's. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, that's my the mix, Stephen Sondheim my mix musical. Oh. Oh. I could just do the musical. It's the same thing. Uh. Heinrich uh. is the son. <laughs> I um. Sometimes I turn to Linda and say, <laughs> "Oh, oh, Frederick, what a day it's been." <laughs> oh my God. I'm glad you did. Thank you. And sometimes I turn to my cat and say, "Mom, wipe that face off your face." <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> Our four musical theater stands who listen to this podcast will really enjoy that. Anecdote. If they made it this far, uh, yeah, true. They'd be like, "What the fuck?" And on that note, I, am, I think I'm just going to wrap this up. If that's okay, no. I can't wait to use one of the Wicker Man songs. No, and, and in that house, there is my rigs, butt. <laughs> no, you got to use the, the 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 ribbon song. The maple. And in that ribbon, there was a tree. And in that tree, there was a seed. And in that seed, it was a man. And in that man, it was a lady. Yes, that's it. Anyway, that's it. What a weird episode. I don't know what just happened. Just like all three of the movies are a little weird. Yeah. God, that's a. Hopefully, that was interesting to listen to or fun on some level. I don't know. I had no idea. Regardless, this has been another episode of Movies IMO. Thank you so much for listening. What just happened? Ah, we I think we whiffed it. Oh, we whiffed it good. Uh, ah, oh God. Whatever. Um Who gives a fuck. I, I, I want to go home and finish Brandon. Obviously we haven't we haven't done the outro. You can't turn it off yet. No, I'm just checking oh, okay. the outro. No, I want to go home and finish. Our fans my, like we, the sillier ones anyway. Was this silly though? I think we had some laughs. We probably had some laughs. We were singing Wicker Man songs. When that man it wasn't as silly as a, one of our Spielberg episodes, but it got silly. Is there any Spielberg movies coming out soon? Wonder if we could do Spielberg for homework soon. We need a Spielberg to lighten up the joint. Yeah, true. Virgin Let's Spring do, is so good. We always good. have a laugh with Steven. Wait, wait. When we do the maybe we might do, mm. we might do like bring a movie you've never oh. seen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah, I'll yeah. bring a Spielberg. I'll bring AI. Oh. oh. I've never seen it. That's Get ready good. for Gigolo Joe, mate. Hey, let's see what he has to say. Oh. Masterpiece. AI is great. That's what I'm going to bring. Saw yes. that on 35 millimeter. Oh. I would, I would like, like to. to see it. In college. I have two, actually. I was going to say, I'm sure you wow. have. Aren't y'all? Maybe it was the same class. print because that was Are we doing college, that? I think that would be print. fun. Movies that we've missed. Movie we haven't seen. We've like our, a movie we haven't the, seen. The movies were most, so I'll do Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. I have to think But about, we've already wait, said Wait, no, everything. what did I say? Well, I said I was going to do, um, we were bringing, the, so the idea is that we'll do an episode where we each bring in a movie that is like that did, we should that, that have seen. We, that we, we think and, we should have seen. Which already. makes us think about our fellow film fan Jorge Molina. But we do like an, an episode where we bring in a movie we haven't seen that feels like a big <clears throat> blind spot. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the one? I the, can't remember. Damn. That's and I've been cool. trying to think of one for myself, and I'm just like when I when I have to You're like, like what act, haven't I seen? When I have to actually think about it, I just draw a blank. I'll, it'll come to me. Well, that's how I feel like when I go into like Amoeba uh-huh. or a bookstore, or growing up when I go to secondhand DVD store. Once you're forced. To Once think you're about there, it. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what I want. Yeah, I don't know what I want I to know. see. Anyway, this has been Movies IMO. Thanks so much for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe. Give us five stars in the Apple Store, and tell us uh, what is your favorite Ingmar Bergman film? Uh, is it Fanny and Alexander, uh, uh, Scenes from a Marriage, Persona, Virgin Spring? What it, What is it? Mm. Just going in the theme of mm. weird episode. Tell mm. us. Tell us. Tell us. Tell us. Which ex do you want to kill? <laughs> Tell us. 
Which animals would got, you want I to be? I got a list. Tell I'll us. T- I'll tell which you. Ex, which, or not exes. Which animals, which barnyard animals would you like to be shoved into the enormous wicker man with? I'll tell you which boyfriend I want to kill. <laughs> <laughs> the one that forgot my birthday. <gasps> Just like Midsummer. That's triggering. Thank you. That literally That's happens in Midsummer. <laughs> Anyway, that's why I said it. <laughs> we're on Acast. We're on the Apple Podcast Store. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. Ben's we're tweeting. on your favorite places to listen to a corn rig. And corn we're on Twitter rig, at MoviesIMO. I'm Daniel Crook. I'm on Twitter at Daniel Crook with three O's. Um, I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> um, I'm Brandon Kirby. You can find me on Twitter at PK Kirby. Do you think John Dealman would have fit into that Midsummer cult? No. She would have had too much cleaning up to do. True. True. She unless would have been she up was corpses. the one. Unless she was the one <gasps> doing the stabbing. <gasps> Just imagine Jean Dillman leaping to her death. Sweet release. Jean Dillman would be the May Queen because she Ooh. does not fall. She has so much stamina. She would dance True. and dance and dance. And I love that scene. And I That's wonder a great scene. if I had rewatched this movie, because it's been a couple weeks since I saw it, if I would have more to say. It's mm. a good scene. My name is Ben Empey. You can find me on Twitter at Real Todd Haynes. Next week, what, what, is is, what did you twat? He's, I haven't. He's I haven't twatted. Oh, okay. Next week we're talking about the farewell. Yes. Yay! We yeah. will also be talking about movies involving dying relatives. We will be watching Yay! Step Dying Matrix. Dying Matriarchs. We will be watching <gasps> Stepmom and Amour. Everybody, oh. we will be watching oh. Stepmom and Amour for Chris, the farewell episode. The auteur, Chris Columbus's. Stepmom. I used to Can watch you that Chris movie Columbus got Emmanuel Riva an Oscar nomination? Ugh, what a film. <laughs> I, I love Stepmom. I watch Stepmom on like TNT or whatever. Oh, so, all the time. All the time. And whenever it it's on, family you're just like, fave. can't turn it off. Stepmom was like Stepmom's on. the movie to see. That's when, I was when in, you open your yogurt, you're, you're in school. for the night. Uh, Stepmom's that's true. on. That's exactly on. right. That's I'm in exactly. for the night. Maybe you get out that spoon, break up the peaches at the bottom, give it a swirl. Maybe you find a little hair in there, Brandon. Oh, is that from Stepmom? Yes. <laughs> what? It's from the, the movie we're talking about this week. What movie? Midsummer. When's there? Oh, a pubic <laughs> hair. Ah, <laughs> pub. The winner is Jane Fonda. Thank you. Thank you very much, members of the Academy, and thank all of you who applauded. There's a great deal to say, and I'm not going to say it tonight. I would just like to really thank you very much. <laughs>